Welcome to the Fellowship Church Podcast. This is Where Stands It Written. My name is Chris Mott. I'm one of the members at Fellowship Church, and I am joined by my co-host, Jake Brown. Hey, hey. How's it going? <laughs> He's also a member of the church. Yes. Man, it's been a minute, yes. hasn't it? Again. I feel like has. we always say We this. do, because yeah. our lives have been just so crazy with our children and all that. So, But now, I think... Um, our wives are done having babies for now. Yeah, for the for, t- for the foreseeable future. For now, maybe I don't even want to say foreseeable. Yeah, you know. It, it, yeah, and now our schedules somewhat align. Somewhat, we've been able to now set a time for us to get together and to do this podcast. So I'm pretty excited to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, me too. Yeah. Me I think too. we're just gonna pick up right where we left off. Yeah, yeah. So the first part we were we were doing a two parter on uh, the sovereignty of God, and uh, we recorded a part one, I think it was way back in February of this year. So now we're picking up where we left off, like Jake said, on a part two mm-hmm. of God's sovereignty. Yeah. So Jake. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give, what? us, give us a breakdown. Explain to me in one sentence God's oh, sovereignty. Oh no, I can't do that. Um, well, I think it'd be best if we just think about this in questions, because I'm sure... Everyone has questions about God's sovereignty and his omniscience, his omnipotence, and how that plays out in the world and and in our lives and throughout history. So we're just going to ask three pretty common questions um, to, to this question of God's sovereignty. So the first one is, what should our response be to God's sovereignty? Well... <laughs> the first answer, which is, you know, kind of hard to hear, but not at the same time, is to trust and obey. Yeah. Sounds pretty simple. And uh, I realized just now that we forgot to read our, our introduction verse, so I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. Yeah. Because that is directly related to this. So our, uh, our verse is Job 42, 1 through 3. And God's word says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Yeah. So you, that's such a good verse, I think. And it's just the right like frame of like perspective. Mm. You know, everything that Job's been through, which, you know, we'll touch on more as we go, but just having everything taken from him and then in this dialogue with his friends, they're just really bad friends, basically saying he must have done something wrong to deserve this treatment. Um, and he begins to question God and demand from God an answer for why. And when God responds, Job, this is Job's response to that. I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me. And so he just basically says, I'm going to just put my hand over my mouth and I'm just going to be quiet and I'm just going to listen and I'm going to trust you and just do what you've asked me to do. And I think like that's just that should be us. <laughs> that like, should be us. That should be our, our, our frame of mind. We don't have to understand every tidbit about <clears throat> how God's eternal decree is working out throughout history. Yes. Yes, but, but as, we, yeah. as humans, we want to, yeah. you know, we want that knowledge. We just have to trust him. We do. That doesn't mean it's easy. No. But that's that's as simple 
of a like command as it takes mm-hmm. as as it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. So actually, I mean, this kind of leads in. We're gonna skip a question, and then I guess we can go back to question two. Um, our third question we were gonna ask is: If God is sovereign, why do bad things happen? So I feel like we can kind of speak into that at this point. Um, and I have here pulled up uh, Genesis 45. Um, and uh, if we all know the story of Joseph, you know, his his brothers sold him into slavery. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> his brothers, uh, you know, appear before him in um, where at? Egypt. In, yeah. his, in Egypt. Yeah. And um, after, well, it, not just that his brothers sell him in slavery. Um, then he becomes a slave in a governor's house and is falsely accused of, um, of, uh, assaulting the, the governor's wife, Potiphar's wife, and he's thrown in prison unjustly and he's there and they forget about him until he's needed, um, for, the when the famine comes to help to prepare for the famine which is the whole point yeah and then you go on from there no good thanks for expounding so so yeah the lead up is uh you know his his brother he sees his brothers much later in life that had had done this to him and uh um, genesis 45 verse 4 starting in verse 4 it says so joseph said to his brothers come near to me please and they came near and he said i am your brother joseph who you sold into egypt And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Yeah. And that was one of the verses that we had uh, written down here. Yeah. Um, So, you know, without making too much of a jump, like, you know, we, people always ask like, why do these bad things happen in the world? Um, But for, for what people mean, for what people mean for evil, God means for good. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, that's such a good point like here and then later on david will pick it up in the psalms when he's reflecting back on god's faithfulness throughout um throughout the life of israel it it says god sent me before you like you sold me into slavery i was unjustly imprisoned for a long period of time i was forgotten i was forsaken um, but then at God's right moment, I was brought back to now Pharaoh's household where I told them what was about to occur with the seven year famine. And I was made second in command to preserve life here. And there's, we could go into the typology of Christ and that, but needless, uh, needless to say from that is that, <clears throat> God was sovereign over the difficult trials of Joseph's life. He had a purpose at the end of it. Um, and Joseph just had to trust God and obey God. And he was. He was faithful to God throughout throughout all of it. And, and so uh, that so <clears throat> so Joseph trusted and obeyed. So like think about like maybe the things or the maybe the doubt that Joseph must have had from day to day, like yeah. you know, especially in the beginning before he started um, prospering in Egypt, just to be like, right. what is this? What's the purpose of this? But you know, he trusted God through it. So, you know, we can look at Joseph as an example for maybe like when we fall into disease or 
you know, whatever, certain sins, things like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Bad circumstances, things outside of our control. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, death and, and to, uh, of a loved one, um, you know, human relationships, the strife there, uh, bad stuff at work, tyrannical government. Mm. Uh, I was the gonna list s- goes on and on. I was gonna say, yeah, you, you said about tyrannical governments. So, like, what what would this mean for the wider world? You know, we're talking about it in our personal lives, mm-hmm. right? Trusting and obeying God in our personal lives, and like Job said, you know, um, God's knowledge being too wonderful to him for him to understand. So. <sighs> You know, without us trying to rack our brains, understanding God's purpose for everything, like how how can we apply this basically to what's what happens in the wider world? Like people always ask, you know, why do these bad things happen if God's good, yeah. if God's sovereign? Um, yeah, I mean, what would your response be to that? Right, I think about what Vody Bauckham says, um, where he says, uh, you know, he, he gets asked that question a lot, especially by he he, he says. First, uh, one semester psychology students or philosophy students, not psychology, sorry, um, you know, and uh, just want to know, you know, try to trap them in something. Um, but he says that's the wrong question to ask if God is so loving and so good, why do bad things happen? The real question we should be asking is if God is a holy and just God, then why? Does, does he not kill me for what I did this morning? <clears throat> yeah, so, <laughs> uh, as funny as it sounds, how, however you look at it, maybe starting with that. Could you call that a presupposition? Like, starting with that yeah. as a baseline thought rather than, yeah. why is all this bad stuff happening? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead insert what Vody said there. Yeah, we're, we're starting in the wrong place, right? Like, we're starting... Um, with us, with our issues, with our problems, and then we're throwing God into the mix. Rather, we need to start with who God is, mm. right? Having a right perspective of God, not just God is loving, which is true, but God is also holy and just. We need a, we need a full, fully orbed understanding mm. of the nature and character of God when asking these these questions and thinking about them. Some uh, strikes me quickly here to interject. Um, I have a shirt that says, I believe, therefore I think. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, <laughs> thinking about that statement and yeah. having that be the baseline rather than, I don't know, something like, I think, therefore I believe, you know? Yeah, right. I think, therefore I am. Right. Something uh, like that. Yeah. I forget what philosopher says that. But yeah, in, in all reality, um, God is, therefore, everything. Like, <laughs> you know, it, he's the. He is the uh, uncaused cause of all things. He's the immovable mover, mm-hmm. right? He he is the one who's been from all eternity and is is um, has uh, is created all things for his glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome, dude. <clears throat> um, we had another question that we wanted to ask, and that was, um. If God is sovereign, are men still free to choose? Yeah. Well, I think before we get there, we got to answer the second part of that first question of our response to God's mm. uh, sovereignty. 
to trust and obey, um, but not merely trust and obey, right? We also need to um, praise and worship. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I glossed over that. Um, you know, and I think Paul Paul gives us a very awesome example of this in Romans 11, 33 to 36. So Romans 1 to 11 is just this um, glorious theological treatise that is just showing the glories of the gospel. Um, it's like a diamond, and he is just looking at it from every facet in a very logical um, argument, starting with all things are created for God, and we have messed up. We have sinned against God. We are lost in our sin, but God has given us a way, and that is through faith in Christ, who is the only means of reconciliation to God, the only means of having justification, having peace with God, and then laying out how that transpired, how Christ <clears throat> is that perfect mediator, um, and then what it what it looks like for us to transition from being in the flesh to being in the spirit mm. and um and then working out the the issue of God's sovereignty and our responsibility and he ends with this in uh, Romans 11:33 to 36 oh the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? And so, um, and then, sorry, I'm missing a verse here on my page. Oh, okay. Yeah, 30, to him. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 36, the following verse is, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen and amen. And so, yeah, we see, like, he just breaks out in doxology of, the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God and his character and mm. how he works. And and it is, myster- it is mysterious to us and it, it should send us to praise God mm-hmm. um, that he is so much higher than we are and that we cannot even begin to grasp uh, his thoughts and his mm-hmm. ways that he has. Yeah, because even in glory, like, we'll be learning about God Absolutely. for eternity upon yeah. eternity. Absolutely. And that, and that you know, in these verses is a direct correlation back to Job saying, you know, this, this knowledge uh, is too wonderful for me. Yeah. And, you know, the knowledge was too wonderful for Paul, but he's trying to kind of, uh, you know, make this logical argument. But yeah. he understands, too, that God works outside of time and space, you know. Yeah. And, Amen. uh. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's some serious uh, serious knowledge there. Yeah, and it does, like, I mean, and it's good to ask questions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to ask questions. We should ask questions because it gets us to search out God's, uh, God's, God's word, which is just full of mm-hmm. um, truth. And he, he's given us everything we need for, for life and for godliness in, in this book. And we are able to know things, not perfectly, um, because of our own sinfulness, because of our own, not even just sinfulness, but even our creatureliness. Yeah, how does the Bible say, like, looking at it through a mirror darkly or something like that? Yeah, and um, 
So, and that's what we want to do. We want to ask these questions, and then we want to go to God's Word, mm. right? Where stands it written? Like, okay. And so it like, does bring us to like that second question we are uh, going to ask. Now our third question is, <laughs> if God is sovereign, are men still free to choose? Uh, and this is a this is probably the big one, right? Like this, this is, is what this, has separated and this is so big that the guy with the degree has to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, nobody like the church has fought and fought and fought over the, this issue for since the beginning, right? Like almost since the beginning. Um, even Paul, like if you look at Romans nine. He has questions like these in Romans 9. Um, you got um, uh, Augustine and Pelagius. You got uh, Martin Luther and, um, oh, forget his name right now, Irenaeus? I could be wrong. Erasmus, that's his name. You got John Calvin and uh, Joseph, Jacob, Joseph, J- Joseph Smith. <laughs> no. just, just joking. Yeah, Jacob Arminius, <laughs> right? Um, George Whitfield and... Um, uh, John Wesley. So there's been two sides of this this whole um, throughout all church history, and so we're not going to settle it, right? We can just go to the Word of God, and um, and gather from there and try to make a some summarization of what what the Word of God says. Of where stands it written? What does it say in the Bible? About yes, that? yeah. So I think I think that. Uh, one place that does this well to summarize the truth of God's word on this issue is is the Westminster uh, C- Confession, which has a whole chapter dedicated to free will. And it breaks it down like this. First, God has given us natural freedom uh, for every person, and it's neither forced nor determined to good and evil. All right, by any absolute necessity of nature. Okay, so either way, like we, we have a free will. Um, and we are not forced to do good or evil. Now, mankind in the state of innocence, we're going to talk about four, four states here. The state of innocence, that is the state where Adam was in the garden, right? Before he had taken of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he was a state of innocence, and here, his freedom and power to will and to do what was good and pleasing to God. Um, but it was changeable, right? So he could do good, but it could change, and he might fall from this state. So, question comes, rhetorical question, did he fall from that state? <laughs> yes. Yes. He used his free will... To fall from that state of innocence. Which brings us to the second state. The fall of man. The state of sin. Now mankind, because of Adam, and being in Adam as our federal head. He represented us in the garden. All mankind falls from innocency. And now is in a state of sin. We are all born sinners with a sinful nature. And because of that, we have wholly lost all ability to will and to do any spiritual good accompanying salvation. 
right? We cannot please God. Romans 3, no one does good. There is no righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Over and over again, we are under a dominion of sin. We are under the bondage of sin. We are slaves to sin. Ephesians chapter 2, we are dead in our sins. Um, and so, because of that, because of our sin nature, we are not able, in our own strength, to convert ourselves or prepare ourselves for conversion um, and being altogether averse to good and dead in sin. Okay? Now, that sounds really bad. And it is really bad. So, to recap, innocency, free will... To do good, but could change and fall into sin. In the state of sin, only sin. No, we can't do any good. We can't choose any good. But, this is great. This is great news for us. Because God, when he converts a sinner and brings them in to the state of grace. That's our third one. Innocency, sin, grace. He frees him. From this bondage of sin by his grace alone. Mm. Right? You who are dead and your trespasses and your sins, God made alive together with Christ. Amen. Amen, yeah, absolutely. And so God then enables us by his Holy Spirit, He frees us from that bondage, He gives us a free will. To do what is spiritually good. But if you guys have been attending Fellowship Church for the past few weeks, you would have heard Pastor Mark preach on indwelling sin, where even in a regenerate, a born again believer, sin remains in our mortal bodies. And so while we are free to choose Christ, we also have sin remaining in us. And so. We do not perfectly do good, but we can also do evil, right? We can choose to obey Christ or to continue in sin. Um, so those are the first three states. Innocency, sin, and grace. Did I say? Innocency, fall, grace. Yeah, yeah. Those are the three states. Um, and then there's the fourth one which is the state of glory, which is when our wills will be made perfectly and unchangeably free to want solely what is good, meaning to only obey Christ all the time. Imagine that. And that's where we're headed, right? Mm. Like, so if God is sovereign, are we free? Yes. But it depends on where you're at in one of these. You could, you're really, all people on earth right now are in one of two states. They're either still in their sin or they've been born again and they're in the state of grace. So for those who are still in bondage of sin, their will is bound to sin. But for those who have been redeemed, for those who have been born again, they have a freedom to choose uh, to obey Christ uh, or to keep to test sin. So, and then one day 
we will only be able to obey Christ. Hmm. Think about what that would feel like. If you went one if you went one day where all you did was obey Christ. I can't. Yeah, it's crazy. But what a like what a what a day that would be, you know? know, and that's what's coming, but Yeah. You know, just I know. Just to think about it like it would be right. amazing to be able I to know. do that, you know? When we talk about heaven and stuff, we were like people <clears throat> talk about I just I can't wait for my body to be perfect or to do what you know this or that and I'm just like man like like complete conformity to Christ. Yeah, like, like complete conformity to Christ. I am just like Christ. Like in able like it's just I can't even talk. Yeah. I can't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like to be able to do not just obey God in my actions, but in my words and in my attitude and in my thoughts, like just always obedient and pleasing to the Father. Yeah. Just wholly lacking the corruption of, of sin and in, in all of the facets of your life and your heart and your mind and in, in your body. Um so really like the whole <laughs> perfect uh body and all that stuff, you know, um is really, you know, the cherry on top of what the yeah. true glory would be, which is yeah. complete obedience yeah. to Christ. Yeah, and that's where we're headed, right? Like that's why that's where this is all going. Like we're talking about bad things happening. We're talking about going through difficult things like Job and Joseph. Like this is what God's doing through these things. Mm-hmm. Like we have some, we just have a few passages we want to close with because we want to really emphasize how God is sovereign over all things, including and especially the dark moments of our life mm-hmm. and the dark seasons. Um, that God is doing something and that creation is going somewhere. It's going in a direction um, under God's control. And so like, for instance, we have Colossians 1, um, 18 to 20, um, which says this, it's referring to Christ and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, not some things, not most things, all things, things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Mm. And so you want to talk about God's sovereignty and his workings throughout human history. Like, look at the cross. Look at what God did to rescue his people. He didn't do it in a way that was sunshine and rainbows. He did it through a bloody cross that... His holy anointed one, his son, his beloved son was nailed to, Mm. to reconcile all things to himself. So it was through the darkest moment that God did the greatest good in reconciling his people. Mm. Awesome, man. What a succinct description of of what it it is. Um, Yeah, and even like in the... (laughs) <laughs> you really could start much earlier in, in Colossians, but like Jake read 18 through 20, but 
even in 17, verse 17, it says, and he is before all things, meaning Christ, and in him all things hold together. You know, all things are held together. Like the moon and the sun in their orbits are held together by Christ. You know, yesterday was like today, was like tomorrow. Um, as far as the sun rising and, and, you know, going down and the moon rising and going down because Christ. Amen. All things are held together by him. Yeah. So, and that, and that, you know, it, it starts at the molecular, molecular level of our existence and it goes all the way out into the farthest reaches of space. Yeah. Every bit. Yeah. I love what R.C. Sproul says. Like there's no maverick molecule. Mm. Right. Like, <laughs> which is like a funny description, but like every single molecule is under God's sovereignty and control. And that should give us such hope. That should give us boldness to stand for the gospel, to to stand firm for Christ, through and to stand firm and to trust and obey Him in those dark moments, Amen. whatever it may be. And I think Paul says it great in Second Corinthians chapter four. He says, "We do not so we do not lose heart." Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way to glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are seen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so that's the commission, right? That's the encouragement. Do not lose heart because though you're wasting away, though you're soaking your pillow in tears, though your affliction may have lasted decades and there doesn't seem to be any end to it. It's only 80 years. Like that's what John Piper says. It's only 80 years compared to eternity, mm-hmm. compared to the eternal weight of glory that's being prepared through these things in your life that God is using, it doesn't compare. So look to what is unseen. Hmm. And hold on to that. Definitely a solid baseline for <laughs> thinking about God's sovereignty. Well, guys, that's going to wrap this episode up. Um, it's been a pleasure to record this. And uh, thanks for listening to the Fellowship Church Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm Jake. And we are signing out.